Hey everyone and welcome back to Southern Pride Storytime. Today we start our series on Cinderella. So kind of the princess of princesses here. We're uh, going with the classics from all over the world. Disney's Cinderella is based on Charles Perrault and the Grimm brothers together. You'll kind of see in the live action version, there's a little more from the Grimm brothers, whereas the animated version, there's some more from Charles Perrault. And then, of course, this episode is going to be an episode of Disney Lied to You. We'll do comparing and contrasting Perot, the Grimm Brothers, and Disney. And then I may wrap it up at the very end of the episode by comparing um, Ashpudel, which is the German Grimm version, with Yeshen, which is the Chinese version and one of the oldest versions of the story that we have record of today. Cinderella has her own category in the Arn Thompson Uther Index. Scholars estimate there are over 2,000 versions of her story. So to, again, to have Cinderella's sto sorry, Cinderella stories be their own section of the ATU is really unique. Because even Rapunzel doesn't have her, and she's a pretty old story too, but Rapunzel doesn't have her own segment. There's just Maiden in the Tower stories, and then just all the different stories that fall into there. And so I think Sleeping Beauty doesn't have her own category as well. Cinderella is one of the only ones that has her own whole category in the ATU because there are so many different versions from so many countries. In fact, the author of Cinderella, Tales from Around the World, stated that more countries have a Cinderella story than countries that don't have one. In the 19th century, scholars tried to figure out where the first Cinderella originated from, and the popular theory said that it was from either India or China, though, again, I have also heard Egypt thrown out there. No one has quite pinned down the first one, as there are simply too many, but beware of checking on the Egyptian version if you're going to go after this and Google the Egyptian Cinderella. Less than 100 years ago, an American woman hybridized the ancient Egyptian version with Charles Perrault's version, which was adapted from the Egyptian version, but the American lady that adapted it added the stepsisters and stuff like that. So be careful to find the original ancient Egyptian version that inspired Perrault and not Miss Miller's version that was inspired by Charles Perrault. Um, yeah, if you start seeing stepsisters and fairy godmothers in there, you know that you're not reading the original. The original really was more about the shoe than it was about any kind of magic or anything like that. Um, let's see. Jean-Baptiste Basile's version was inspired by Yixin from China, but was already well known in Italy. Contrary to popular belief, Disney Cinderella was not based on Grimm's Princess, but on Charles Perrault's, and it even says so right in the opening credits. So whenever you see you know, YouTube videos and stuff talking about how Disney deviated so far from the Grimm's version of this fairy tale that they ruined it. Well, they weren't adapting Grimm's version. They were adapting Perot's version. So, you know, do your research, I guess. They're not even shy about it. They put it right in the opening credits. Oh, well. Who knows? <laughs> so, yeah, but like I said, in the, the live-action version with Lily James, you do get a little bit more of Ash Poodle but Perot is still the primary source. Disney Cinderella opens with a book and some narration, as was typical of fairy tales in the time. Side note here, not really related, but kind of, but not really. <laughs> um, 
when I went to Disney World back in September, they had these really cool journals, like like diary journals, you know, with mostly blank pages. But these journals looked like the classic Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella books on the outside from the Disney movies that the camera kind of zooms into. And then it opens and the first few pages of it are Snow White story or Cinderella story. Then once you get two or three pages in, it just turns into a lined notebook journal situation. They are so cool, guys. I would love to get one, but they're they're ridiculously expensive. And as nostalgic and whimsical as I am, even I'm not going to drop $40 for a notebook. <laughs> but that's a little ridiculous. That's like spending $20 on a lollipop. Not going to do it. Nope, nope, nope. Even I can't talk myself into that. But these were gorgeous. And they were in all of the gift shops from all of the kind of original princesses that started with that storybook opening. I don't recall if there was one... For the Jungle Book, it seems like there was. So if you wanted to go with something less girly, there's that as well. But all of the intros that had the had Disney opening that book and the first few pages of the first few pages of the story, they had those in the gift shops. It was one of the coolest souvenirs I saw there. And again, if I didn't think it was a ridiculous price to pay for a notebook, I probably would have gotten it because I did want them really, really, really bad. But 40 bucks again, for lined paper is... That's a toughie. <laughs> you know, it's, I can talk myself into spending money on stupid things at Disney. I once bought a bag just to put my Crocs in while I was there. But um, that's before Crocs were, were not cool. That was when they were cool. But my point is, you know, I will. I get definitely those Disney goggles and I'll spend too much money on stupid things at Disney. And $40 on a lined paper notebook was pushing it too far for even me. But they're really cool. If you go to shopdisney.com, you can look them up. They match the ones at the, in the introductions of the fairy tales, and they are pretty, pretty cool. I would take a look at them if I were you. Maybe you're somebody who has a stronger nostalgia sense than I do, and we'll go ahead and get them. Who knows? Anyway, so Cinderella, again, opens up with the book and some narration. It tells us about a widowed gentleman and his daughter, Cinderella. But the original stories, that was not her name. So Disney kind of simplifies it there and makes it so Cinderella is her actual name. In the original stories, or at least all of the versions I've seen, it was actually a slur given to her by her stepfamily. In fact, Ash Poodle by Grimm actually means dirty girl because she slept in the fireplace, you know, so it's it's not great. Cinderellan, um, which is the original French for the... Cinderella also means something very similar. It's like little cinder girl or something like that. So it's basically all just making fun of how dirty she is. This is basically them pointing at her and screaming that she's a mudblood. It's not a compliment. So it's kind of rough on her that that's what her story has come to be known as for good by this insult that was being thrown at her. Grimm's version calls Cinderella's father a rich man, but Perot and Disney clarify that he is a gentleman. This means that he's of noble birth, and as such, the authors avoid any accusations that an unsuitable commoner marries a prince. Remember, aristocracies back in the day when this was written don't want any any happy, daydreamy stories floating around about commoners marrying royalty, because that passes out the idea that that's an acceptable or even possible thing to happen in their society. So they don't want any hints of that floating around. No, 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 no. So... They have to clarify right at the beginning that he is a gentleman, a nobleman, and therefore Cinderella is a worthy par partner to the prince in the end. This is a way to avoid some blowback from the upper classes 
later. She's a woman of rank and is simply not treated like one by the time her stepmother and stepsisters come into the picture. In Beauty and the Beast, we'll see them jump through even greater hoops to prove that that beauty is upper class and that upper class only marry upper class. So, you know, this is a pretty common thing in these fairy tales just because they don't want the upper classes to shoot them down as the author. This probably means a lot more people who grow up in country, or sorry, probably means a lot more to people who grow up in countries that have monarchies. But to me, as an American, it just shows that Cinderella is not quite the rags to riches tale we've come to think of. Because while she was wearing rags, she never marries above her station. We tend to think of Cinderella as a story of this poor servant girl who marries a prince. But she wasn't a servant girl. She was basically the equivalent of Lady Mary in Downton Abbey. She was the daughter of someone who was part of the gentry. So... It's not quite the rags to riches story that we tend to put it upon it, really. You know, we, we tend to see it as a way of coming out of your low birth situation and into the upper classes when her birth situation was just fine. She was a lady. She never marries above her station. And if her father hadn't remarried, then when he passed away, she would be the owner of the chateau and a wealthy landowner in her own right. But unfortunately, since he does remarry, everything goes to the stepmother. And that's kind of where everything goes wrong for her. But she would still maintain her noble blood. So she'd still be a worthy partner for the prince. That one little word, gentleman, can change the entire context of the way this story is perceived. She has noble rank. Again, like the daughters of Lord Grantham in Downton Abbey. She is suitable to marry the prince and wouldn't. And marrying the prince is not what makes her a lady. She already was one. But it all goes south when dad marries a new woman. Personally, I think step-parents get a lot more hate than they deserve, but most of these stories were written in a time when your birth was your brand. So in a new union, step-parents would show preference for the advancement of their own children for the sake of keeping their own kind of their own line going. They didn't want their own kids to lose out compared to their step-siblings. The concept of everything being by birthright made step families a little bit more competitive than they are today. And since women died during childbirth more frequently back then, it wouldn't have been unusual for a young father to remarry a new woman with new rules who may have children of her own that she wishes to advance. Step parents today have a much more admirable role as they come into a new family and must adapt to a family structure that already exists and take on their new stepkids as their own. It's a noble, loving role that is still a bit unfairly strained by hundreds of years of fairy tale perception. Something they kind of playfully jab at in the movie Nanny McPhee that I thought was kind of comically put there too, is they just point out, well, there's no good step-parents, oh, but by the end, they kind of like the stepmom that they get. Unfortunately, Cinderella's good dad passes away, and it's revealed that this stepmom is a bad egg, cold, cruel, and jealous. In Perot and Grimm's version, it doesn't quite go down this way. In Grimm's version, we see Cinderella's mother die of illness, and Cinderella goes to her mother's grave to cry every day. I, I'm sorry, in Perot, it simply says that he remarried, so we don't really know what happened to Mom. Disney's live-action remake takes more from Grimm's version here with the mother dying of illness and making her daughter promise to be kind and pious. While... The animated film is closer to, to Perot, where we're really not told that much about the mom's situation. You see, 
In Disney films, the stepmother toes the line until dad dies, and that's when her her abusive personality comes out. The live-action version has her as a bit of a party girl, but there's no serious abuse until after the dad dies as well. But we do get a very strong sense of jealousy between stepmom and the daughter. The stepmom feels pretty competitive for her husband's attention with lovely Ella there all the time. In both Perot and Grimm's versions, as soon as she has the ring, she pulls on a pair of boxing gloves over it. She gets nasty immediately. So at least the one in Disney, Cinderella, Lady Tremaine, at least she waits until Dad has passed away. These two get nasty the minute their vows are spoken. This is much more disturbing as it means that her father, who is still alive at this point, just kind of lets the stepmother do as she wants and abuse his daughter. This makes him much harder to like than Disney's version, who was at least in control to the point where Lady Tremaine had to be kind to Cinderella until he passed away. And, of course, he can't intervene now because he's not alive. On the other hand, it makes more sense that the father would not intervene because most of these original fairy tales, as I've said many, many times, the quote-unquote evil stepmother in the original version was the actual biological mother. So it makes sense that the dad wouldn't intervene because he be, would be used to the abuse. It wouldn't be new. It would just be part of the life that he and his family have already always had. So he doesn't see anything wrong with it. He thinks it's normal because it's how things have always been for them. And that would also explain why Cinderella just sits still and puts up with it too. She's never known anything else. If this is her biological mom who has treated her this way all along, to her, that's what normal is. I don't know why her other sisters get out of it, but in originally fairy tales, the evil stepmother was the actual mother. And so then when uh, the Grimm brothers came to see that uh, mothers were the ones reading these stories to their kids after all, and they didn't want any blowback or for people to read the fewer of their books, that's when they decided to switch the villains to stepmother because marketing, right? Mothers aren't going to cuddle up with their cute little kid and read to them about evil, terrible mothers that abuse their children. No, but stepmothers. If anything, it comes in as a, a lesson to the kid. Hey, you better not replace me because look what's going to move in here instead. <laughs> Disney's stepmother, Lady Tremaine, squanders the fortune that should have gone to her stepdaughter. And while in Disney's version, the stepsisters are awkward and ugly, the storybooks say that they're beautiful to look at, but their personalities are ugly and vile. It calls them black of heart. But Disney gave them an extra reason to be jealous. Just to throw a little salt on that wound, they're also not very good looking. In all versions, they mock Cinderella and then turn her into the sole servant of the chateau. We even see this in the live-action Disney one, where there were lots of servants who worked there before, but as soon as the stepmother moves in, all of the other servants are pushed out in favor of Cinderella doing the work of an entire household staff for this mansion chateau, which is more than just one person can do. She's got to be an entire maintenance crew and all of the wait staff all at once. She's got to be tired. Oh my goodness. Nevertheless, in the book, it says that the poor girl bear it all bore it all patiently and did not complain to her father, who would have waved her off, so governed was he by his wife. Nice. So we see that the uh, testosterone, that, that low testosterone issue was an issue all the way back then. <laughs> Remaining as sweet and kind and optimistic, she shows a mental and emotional strength that most people can only 
wish they had. And that's one thing that kind of makes me upset. I know I complain in almost all of these episodes, especially the Disney Lie Do episodes, where just because Disney tends to get the most complaints about this, but I get a little frustrated with people talking about how weak and passive and pathetic all these early Disney princesses are. Okay, Demi Lovato sued an ice cream company because they had fat-free cookies there, and offering fat-free cookies was just too emotionally triggering for her. She just couldn't cope with the fact that somebody might want a diet cookie. You think she's going to cope with the years and years of mental and emotional abuse that Cinderella put up with and still be polite and kind and smiley? Cinderella has a lot of mental and emotional strength and fortitude, a lot of integrity to pull her through all of this that our emotionally fragile people that live today just could not even begin to fathom. They're too busy blowing a gasket about every single little thing that is mildly annoying to them. And then they have the nerve to stand on their own two feet and call Cinderella weak. Girl, you can't even handle if somebody puts the wrong color sprinkles on your ice cream. So sit down. You know, I don't know. I just, it bothers me because these, these people think that screaming and protesting is the same thing as having strength when sometimes endurance and patience is strength. And we see that with Cinderella. She doesn't sue because an ice cream company had a cookie she didn't like. She gains strength and armor mentally and emotionally from doing what is best. And that is why she is rewarded in the end. It's not that she's sitting around hoping for some prince to save her. In fact, when she wants to go to the ball, it's just to get out of the house and have a night away from scrubbing people's floors. It's not so much that she wants to marry the prince. I don't even know in the movie if it explicitly states that the prince... Yeah, it does say he's going. But she's not counting on that. She doesn't think she has a chance with him. By the end of the evening, she doesn't even know she's met the actual prince. And so, to me, it gets frustrating when people... Oh, Cinderella's just such a weak pushover. She lets everybody bully her until the prince comes and saves her and takes her away. Again... Somebody as immature and emotionally fragile as our modern-day celebrities who love to throw shade at Disney princesses, I'm just going to say they don't have any room to talk. And I'm, I'm standing for Cinderella on this one. She has more emotional strength and fortitude in her little finger than these people have in their entire jello-based backbone. And I'm just going to put that right there and <laughs> move on. Um... But yeah, I just, we'll just have to see what she does next. And I, I do like Cinderella because she's the first one of the princesses that is a little sassy and feisty. But she does it in a way that's not disrespectful in that she never just comes at people the way people think is powerful today. She, you know, vents her frustration when she's in the kitchen putting together breakfast trays and making tea and stuff like that. But by the time she gets to her stepmother or stepsister's room, she's calm collected and respectful. She's not a yeller because she knows that's not going to get her her way. It's only going to make things worse. And I think learning some manners and respect would go a lot farther in our society than screaming about everything and thinking that everybody who keeps themselves together is weak rather than mature. Let's find out what happens to our favorite new princess in the next episode. Thank you for tuning in.